This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. A little bit of housekeeping off the top. No interview edition of the TSN MMA Show this week. Week off, decided to, uh, you know, take my foot off the pedal a little bit. But we will have an interview with Anderson the Spider Silva at the end of the show. So, you know, at least... If, if you're going to have one guest, make it one of the greatest of all time to uh, to compensate. That's yeah, make it the GOAT. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Spoke to Anderson. I, you know what? I, it never sticks with me that he's 46 years old. Like, I was talking to him because he fought so recently. It, it, like, the thought of somebody who's 46 fighting in the middleweight division of the UFC is, like, mind-blowing. And he's still, like, yeah. I, I thought he still had a good account of himself even though he lost that fight. Yeah, no, I mean, Anderson, I mean, as much as you people want to say, oh, maybe he went a little too long in his career, I was like, but that's kind of what makes him the GOAT. The fact that he can do this like and Ali. compete at that level, it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, the same thing. that's a GOAT. I mean, you even like, you know, like Habib, everyone, he's 30 years old, you know, 32 or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a 40 six-year-old still competing at the highest level like that's that's so here, a serious martial thing. artist so people talk about habib like he's the greatest of all time right had let's say let's say anderson decided to walk away after he beats uh, Stephen bonner you know walked away he was 33 he would have been 33 and 4 this would have been 2012 so how old would he have been he would have been 37 years old still like he would have still been 37 if, had he walked away at that point in time right so if he was 37 yeah. walked away 33 and 4 undefeated in the ufc I mean, how would people be looking at him? He would have railed off how many wins in a row uh, prior to that. Uh, one, two, well, let's see, would have, see, entered the UFC. He was 18-4 and four when he entered the UFC, and he 33-4 when he left. So 15 straight fights, would have won 15 straight fights, would have had the most title defenses possibly in UFC history, or at least in, in the area code. I mean, he would have been considered the greatest of all time, hands down, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still look at him. I mean... Now that, you know, I'm getting older and I haven't been competing, it just made me value these guys who are at that age to be able to compete. Man, I'm just 36 and I'm having to stretch a little extra, do a little bit more yoga here in the morning. And so you have to start doing those things. So to see those guys to be able to, you know, transfer over at that age and to compete, it just it becomes more impressive the older I get. I just remember when I was watching uh, the UFC and Anderson Silva was fighting. I started watching the UFC right around the time Anderson Silva started in the UFC. So that, that's mm-hmm. that's really when I started getting the really Chris Lieben knee got you. Yeah, that, yeah, so, those knees. Watching Anderson Silva, like from there on out, was like an event. I mean, it was like a celebration every time he fought because you'd hear the DMX music, he'd come out, and you just knew that something unique was going to happen. Like with yeah. GSP, you kind of knew how he was going to beat these guys. Um, and then when you started seeing fighters like Anderson, like John Jones, who I, I think also kind of fit into that category, at least back when he wasn't winning like a lot of decision, a lot of decisions, and he was using a lot of creativity in there, I think that really that was just so exciting to see. Yeah, and um, wasn't Anderson one of the first athletes to kind of like, sorry, mixed martial arts athletes to kind of cross over to mainstream brands too? Was it? It wasn't Adidas, was it? Who did he get signed uh, he had with? Nike. Didn't he have the Nike with the yellow swoosh? It was it was before Jones, before uh, Jones. then. Yeah. yeah. So he was one of the first to get one of these big brands. And, yeah. I mean, that's that's massive. That's how big of a, a star he was in the sport. And he, not even English speaking, you know? Like, that's yeah. it's that, crazy. That's the thing. He didn't start speaking English until later into his career. Yeah. I mean, and just talking to him, he's just such a gentle guy. I mean, it's it's nice. It's good to see I mean, I'm happy to see him even get these boxing fights and make his money and do his thing. and. Well, he Just was be a to, pleasant guy. You'll hear it later in the interview, but he was saying to me that uh, one thing he doesn't uh, like about how mixed martial arts has changed is that uh, he doesn't like kind of the trash talking element and all. And I was like, your thing with Sonnen was kind of the first, the jumping off point of that. Because yeah, Sonnen yeah. was able to really talk himself into these great spots where, like, Sonnen was, was, I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, Chael Sonnen, because he was absolutely brilliant at the marketing part of the fight game like yeah, think of how many, I agree. How many, how many I agree. title shots did he get in the ufc i know there was the two anderson fights there was the jones fight for the, the title um and, and he was in two different title eliminator fights like fought for the wec championship like he never won the belt although with jones it was close with jones's toe getting completely almost taken off of his foot but uh it wouldn't have been a, as a result of, of chael but 
I mean, to me, I think Chael belongs in the Hall of Fame simply because of how he changed the game from that perspective. Because I think that McGregor was not the first guy to do this. Yeah, Chael, no, no, Chael yeah. was the pioneer in that spot. And even Chael, just like Anderson, is one of these guys. Look at him. He was competing into his 40s, too. I still think he does, like, grappling matches and, like, still competes in some wrestling stuff. Like, he's another guy that just, I don't know, he was built differently. He was just built differently, built to fight. I like Chael. Yeah, so the way Anderson ends his career, you look at it from, you know, the UFC. It was, what, uh, seven... One and seven with one no contest. The no contest was an overturned win against Nick Diaz. So, I mean, it doesn't look great on paper, but if you get rid of that part of his career, and that part of his career started in 2013, so he would have been 38 years old. That was when he lost the championship to Weidman. He was 38. Yeah, and so he we, fought the current champ, you know, in his 40s. Right, yeah. Yeah. Not just yeah. his 40s, his mid-40s. Like, he was 40, yeah. he was 43 or 44. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people thought he won one of those rounds. And did right? well, yeah. yeah. He did well. Yeah. I like it. I mean, that's 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 a martial artist right there. If you're going to give me who is one of the all-time martial artists of the UFC, him. I mean, think about it. The generations, the time, the technique, the the skill he brought, the amount he that guy can kick when we talk about some of the best kickers in the sport, who do we talk about? Anderson Silva. If you talk about one of the best boxers in the sport, you probably say Anderson yeah, Silva right. too. So like everything. Yeah. I mean, he's just uh, one of those guys that was able to really put things together. Like if you watch his fight, even today against Bonner, against Forrest, um, the ones where he was really in that that flow state, there's nobody like that that we've seen before or since. No, the creativity, man. Yeah. The elbow. He, in the, uh, before he went to this, he knocked someone out with like an up elbow. He was doing knees to the face, front kicks to the face, slipping rips with his hands down, you know, countering and, and knocking people out. Like he brought some really good, exciting fights and entertainment. And you hear Forrest talking about that fight with him, and he's, he talks about it like he was fighting like an alien. Like, he's just, yeah. he's just like, well, none, none of this is working. <laughs> yeah, just incredible. Just just overall, like, a, just honestly, for me, it's someone that I look up to because I would love to be able to be in that shape and to move that way at, at that age. I mean, I won't be competing, but, like, I'll be able to hopefully move just as good as he is at that age. Uh, two of my favorite moments covering the sport on site were with Anderson. One was after he beat Derek Brunson, I got to interview him with his two sons and he was just so happy. He's such like such a good dad with his kids and you could tell yeah, his kids yeah. were so happy for him. That was one of, and that was like I started covering uh the UFC on my own basically two months before that. And Anderson was like my guy, you know, like when I was a fan of the sport. Like yeah. I was I was an Anderson Silva mark. So getting to there interview him after that fight with his kids, it was just such like it was such a memorable moment for me. And then when he lost to Cannoneer in Rio, I, that was the one fight that I've covered outside of North America. And the crowd, the sound of the crowd during that fight, before and after, it was like, it was unexplainable. It, it, like, it sounded like a hurricane. It was so loud. Yeah, yeah. I just remember even going back to seeing some of the countdowns and some of the shows he in. In Brazil, he was massive at one point. Yeah. Like, just absolutely massive. I mean, so just, I just liked what he did. From his entrances to the track suits to even when he talks in interviews, if you didn't see who was talking, you would be like, this is such a nice guy, you know, and then you wouldn't think he was such a the beast he is, you know, I just love that he can show that soft spokenness, that kindness and then just be that animal. That's what martial arts is. And uh, this, the first son and fight to me is probably the craziest mixed martial arts fight I've ever watched. Yeah, like just yeah. watching Chael it's up there. dominate him for four and a half rounds, and uh, to see Anderson with like less than two minutes left in the fight grab that triangle just out of nowhere. Yeah. And and how many subs does Anderson have? Like he doesn't have a lot of subs. He's got it, he's got three subs in his entire career, and that was one of them. Yeah, nah, he brought it. I'm telling you, he that guy did everything. I mean, just too too good of a person. I mean, I don't really have many MMA fighters that I would say, uh, who's my favorite MMA fighter? I, I don't really have one. But as a kid and growing up into the sport, I would say Vitor Belfort and probably Anderson Silvan and probably GSP. Those would be the three I had to pick. Can you believe that the, the Belfort uh, front kick was 10 years ago? Isn't that crazy yeah. how, how fast time moves? And Belfort, I think, has a boxing fight coming up too. He's he training with – 
Yeah, Belfort was actually supposed to face Shannon Briggs. Really? And uh, yeah, that that uh, ended up falling through. Yeah. If you went and if you watched that fight, the Jake Paul Triller fight, there was this DraftKings segment that they did in the middle, and they had the fights that were on the card, and, and it said Shannon Briggs versus Vitor Belfort. So apparently Jeez. it had been discussed, and it never came to fruition. Yeah, but look what he has. Like, I mean, he was in the original, you know, yeah, right. uh, UFC fights at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in the UFC before Silva was even a thing. I mean, the 19-year-old Belfort was really got me excited. Hey, I used to train, and, and I used to, like, envision I was Belfort doing those walking punches to Vanderlei Silva. Like, that was what <laughs> I wanted to do was be that Belfort raging bull blasting punches. So – I mean, I can't believe he's still doing it and doing it at a high level. Like, crazy. Yeah, that's one of the great highlights. That Belfort highlight where he's marching oh, forward, throwing those punches, winging those punches. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what really, like, I, it used to be funny. Like, um, <laughs> the my brother-in-law, the, the father of my niece and nephew, is a, a Canadian mixed martial arts pioneer. And uh, we used to go train sometimes at hotels. And we used to, like, just because there was no gyms, we wanted a pool, we wanted a fitness center. So we would, we'd go to a hotel, and we'd have to sign in, and we'd always put fake UFC names and stuff. So mine was always Vitor Belfort <laughs> signing in. And I must admit, I honestly, it must I don't even know how, how many – if Belfort was 19, I don't even know how old I was. I think he's a few you, years you older than me. Like so 15 maybe? You were like a reverse 15? big star. You know, the big stars go into hotels and they give uh, fake pseudonyms that are like nobody names. But you give the yeah. superstar names. You're like the yeah, I give this. Yeah, if they knew who it was, I mean, that'd be impressive. But yeah, I was always Vitor Belfort at that hotel. So who knows? Now Charles Barkley used to check into hotels as Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson? Yeah. There you go. I know somebody that uh, they booked an interview with him, and they had to call the hotel and ask for Homer Simpson. For Homer Simpson. Charles Barkley on the phone. That's smart. Yeah. That's a good move. Shout out to Mike Gentili, who uh, might be listening to this. But uh, anyhow, uh, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Uh, big big fight just announced yesterday. Uh, Max Holloway against Yair Rodriguez, main event in July. Ooh, I didn't Five hear that. Fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big fight. Said it was kind of a risky fight for him. And people were saying, well, I mean, Max Holloway should roll against Yair Rodriguez. And it's not that I'm, I disagree with that necessarily. It's just that Max was next in line for the title. I don't think Max needed to take another fight. So really, any fight you take that's a non-title fight that risks you getting a chance to, sh- to fight for the belt when you've earned that title shot, I feel yeah. like is, is a risky fight. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's a fantastic fight. I mean, having seen Yair fight in a while, I think last a few shows ago we talked about it's been over a year, right? I think it's been almost two years, if I had to guess. When, when, the last one would have been the Stevens fight, right? The Stevens rematch, mm. if I had to guess. The first one was Because I remember us discussing how far it was. Oh, yeah, the eye poke, yeah, right? So That's right. Yeah, October. It'll be almost two years since he'll, he'll have competed when he wow. faces. Uh, he's barely – like, he has since 2014 so nearly seven years ago i guess he has he had a good amount of fights early on in his career but uh, i guess in the last four years he's only fought three times now maybe you can update on me with this what is going on with zabit megamed sharapov all right well we'll we'll come back to uh, max and uh year in a sec uh and i'll touch on that so basically reports out of russia from uh, igor lazarin who uh is works for tass which is a, a, a Russian uh, outlet, and he's very tied into the the scene over there and, and all of the, the managers uh, and trainers there. He basically found out that Zabit was thinking about retiring, didn't feel like he had the same drive to continue, and wanted to get surgery to fix a bunch of lingering injuries and then kind of revisit the idea of coming back. So uh-huh. he's he's been removed from the rankings due to inactivity, and... Uh, his future is kind of in, like up in the air, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Because that with Max would have been phenomenal too, oh, right? Amazing. Zabit versus Max. Like I would have thought that would have been more of it since, you know, Yair kept backing out apparently of those fights with Zabit. It never went through again. So I would have thought that would have been a fight for uh, Zabit. Yeah, that would have been a fun one. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Zabit's been looking for the big fights and he hasn't been able to get them, it seems. You know, he seems like one of these guys that is just perpetually avoided by the people uh, in the division, and then you look at what happened with with Matt, with uh, Yair, like you said, like that fight just kept falling through and falling through and falling through. And now I think the result of that is that Zabit is pretty frustrated. But looking at the uh, at the top five, um, you've got Volkanovski and Ortega matched up. You got Max ranked number one, Yair ranked number three. So this is the one that makes the most sense. Then you got Korean yeah. Zombie at four. He's facing Dan Ige, so he's tied up. Calvin Cater taking a little bit of time off the heel. 
Uh, he's obviously not going to fight Holloway again right now. Um, yeah. You know, and then you've got Edson Barboza, Giga Chikadze, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, I believe, is still recovering from injuries. You know, so there are a lot of a lot of good names in that division. Hmm. Interesting. No, I like it. I mean, it just sucks to see Zabit not in the mix. I mean, just so talented, fun to watch, unique. Yeah, I'm with you. But I, I hope regardless, that, uh, the year is fun. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in too. Yeah, that's. I'm in. I'm sold. It's uh, it's just going to be a fun fight, right? Uh, So we'll see what happens. The year has been training in Chicago for the last little while. So we'll see uh, how that works under uh, Mike Valley, I believe. Okay, nice. We'll uh, we'll see how. Yeah, your looks. I mean, it's been almost two years and you're not getting an easy fight in Max. I mean, Max isn't an easy fight for anybody, right? He's, you know, I think a lot of people believe that outside of Volkanovski, who's beaten Holloway twice, one of which was a little bit, uh, you know, a lot of people thought Max won that second fight. Yeah. I think people know how good Max is. So, yeah, you're versus Max. I'm here for it. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Now, I'm going to transition us into something but because it has to do with Max. But Rob Font, I mean, I think Rob Font learned something from Max Holloway when he fought Kelvin in that fight. Man. I agree with you. I was thinking the same I, thing. Yeah, because as soon as we start talking about Max, I, I right away think about Rob and how much volume and how he was just touching up Cody. And just I just had to bring it up. I, I Probably jumping ahead of schedule here, but it was too perfect of a time for me to bring that up. Well, he just he just did not give Cody a moment to breathe in that fight. He was just all over yeah. him for five, yeah. for five full rounds. One of the judges gave Cody two rounds, um, including the fifth round, which really didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I think the, I think the first and fifth round were the closest rounds, but yeah. uh, the fifth round wasn't particularly close. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty clear Rob Bunt round. So uh, either way, uh, Rob Bunt gets um, 50-45 on two of the judges' scorecards. And he just looked great in that fight. I mean, Rob Font yeah. is—he's—he's uh, he's arrived, man. And you know, he's a guy that started fighting a little bit later in life, which allows you to learn more, more and more over time, and just get better and better and better, even into your later years. I think he's like 32 or 33 now. Yeah, but even with Robin, I think people keep talking about like you know coming up, being older. He's got a lot of fights. Rob, I think his record's now 19 and four. Like that's probably one of the most experienced guy in the division. So I mean, yeah, I right. just. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that's a, that's a lot of fights. I don't know. He had more fights than Cody. He was older than Cody. So I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I think Cody being the former champ gets put in as this veteran status. But Rob's been there. Like, look at that record. Like, he's he's has that cage experience that, that I think now that you'll see that come out. Him being older, him having that experience, and it it showed in the big fight. You know, him holding back, not engaging in those big wars. That's an experienced fighter. And that's 23 fights for him not to just get in there and start swinging with Cody. It was a smart, well-executed, good, good length, good strategy. It was overall well done. Good night for the, the boys. And if it wasn't for Brazilian fighters, he'd be undefeated in the UFC. He's three and three against Brazilians uh, in the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> There's only three Jeez. losses in the UFC. Lineker, Pedro Munoz, and Asuncao. So, I mean, basically, like, top 15 guys. Yeah, good, strong, powerful guys. But yeah, I mean, Lineker in, your thir- in Brazil in your third UFC fight. Jeez, insane. But I think he had the the second most strikes landed um, in the division. Like mm-hmm. he he really put on a good clinic with that jab. And I mean, we know that jabs a uh, you know his big weapon. But to put it together, and but I I really really think like it happened to me. Like I mean, when I when I Holtskin. I mean, I just, I just found that I was throwing everything with so much power. So after that fight, I mean, I lost it, but I really gained a lot of good insight on not throwing things with power, using the jab, setting things up, in and out. So I think Rob being in that corner, Kelvin feeling what he felt against Max, that they're going to start using that type of strategy on their opponents, and I think uh, their opponents in for some big fights. I want to flip the script on this fight. Cody Garbrandt now one and four in his last five. I just feel like he doesn't have that confidence, that bravado that he had that made him such a good fighter. You know, he came yeah. into the UFC, rattled off three in a row en route to becoming the champion. Uh, and, you know, since then, knocked out twice by Dillashaw, knocked out badly by Pedro Munoz as well. Uh, got that knockout over Asun Sao, who's a very difficult guy to stop. So I, I thought maybe that might bring some of that confidence back. But I, he just does not have that same swagger that he once had. And I don't know. I feel like when he was under Justin Buckles, when when Buckles was the coach there, he was a different fighter. Like he just he something he just had a better strategy going into these yeah. fights. And uh, since Team Alpha Male kept changing coaches and they got rid of how, they stopped having a head coach and Buckles left the gym and and all that. I I don't know 
what it's going to take to get Cody back to where he once was. Because Cody, Cody, Cody told me, I think, I think what Cody needs to do is move to flyweight. He told me he thinks flyweight is going to be easy for him. He says he barely cuts to make bantamweight. I think okay. that is the only thing that can really breathe a second life into his career at this point in time. Yeah, I just think maybe when he was with the alpha male back then, he he was at the the peak of his career. You know, he was he had that confidence, the egos and a part of fighting as much as you can be the best trained. If you don't have that little bit of ego that Conor McGregor has, you know, that Henry Cejudo has that Kamaru Usman. When you talk to all the champions, there's that little bit of ego that another man can't touch them. They're invincible. So. He probably lost a little bit of that confidence, you know, and and but what what frustrates me with Cody, I just think it's it's a fight thing, man. When you watch Cody on the pads with his hands and his boxing, there is nothing quicker, faster, smoother than than watching Cody box on the pads, and and it, it's so nice to watch. But then all of a sudden, it's time to fight. He's bombing big punches. He's throwing in singles. Like he's a combination fighter, good with angles, fast, speed. Like he should have been slipping that jab, trying to come in, use his speed, which was obvious his advantage. I just think that the fear of getting hit, the fear of getting knocked out, the fear of getting hurt, I think that's more damage. It is, you know, it, it's, it's up it's there. Tough to watch because we know how good Cody can be. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you, you even saw him implement the wrestling game plan that was somewhat effective in this fight. Like, you, you, you know that he still has that in his back pocket to yeah. fall back on. Yeah. I mean, I think going down in weight could be, if, if he says it's an easy cut, that would be fantastic to see. Because I think, uh, like we always talk about, the flyweight division is, is, is wide open. I mean, you can come down there and get get a shot against Figueredo within one fight even. Yeah, he he probably, he was booked to but fight this is Figueredo, the right? Though. Now he can't get a title fight right off the bat, in my opinion. Like, I think that he needs to go to flyweight and win a fight. Win one before, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think Askar Askar, like, for him to jump Askar Askar, uh, Askar Askarov, I know there's Askar Askarov and Askar Askar, I get them confused. Askar Askar are no longer in the UFC, but Askar Askarov, uh, I don't think he's going to be able to jump him. He's an, Askarov's an undefeated fighter who just beat Benavidez. Like, it's, I yeah. wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel comfortable booking that fight at this point in time, even though Cody had been given that fight he had to pull out and you know now we, we he decided to take this fight he probably could have hung back and waited for the figueredo and uh moreno rematch to end and then gotten the title shot and i would have been okay with that but after that loss to font that's a tough sell yeah i'm gonna i'm trying to look at the rankings to see who i would like to see cody fight as flyweight now i'm just trying to see who would interest me i mean benavidez would be interesting i don't know how much more benavidez wants to fight yeah, uh, Pantoja would be, would be an fun. amazing fight. Pantoja, Pantoja would be Cody, fun. That'd be fun. Even Brandon Moreno would be fun. Yeah, I mean, I think he can happens. hang anywhere, and that obviously he can uh, go really well. Any of these top ten guys, I think it's a good fight, honestly. Even Kai Kara France, mm-hmm. good fight. Roy Val, great Very fight. Fun. Roy Val, fantastic fight. There's a yeah. lot of good matchups you can give him. And I think, and like I, you said, honestly, just he's who is it that he's matched with? Uh, who's uh, Sumaderji booked with that was a good fight? Was it Albazi? Are those two fighting? Albazi and Sumaderji. I think both of old Malcolm's opponents were fighting. but Or yeah, Sue had a right. bigger fight. That's what was it them? I think you're right. Uh, he, Tim Elliott. Sorry, Sumaderji is facing Tim Yeah, Elliott. Sue's fighting Tim Next Elliott. Month. That's right. That's right. A, that's a good a fight. Today, actually. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, Sue, Sue's going to be at the top 10 uh, very soon. That kid's very, yeah, very I'm not, good. I'm not going to overlook... Tim Elliott, though. <laughs> like, Tim no, Elliott. no, no, no. Tim, don't. Tim Elliott's win that fight. Yeah, I'm just saying in general, you'll see Sumaderji in the top five within a, within a year. Within a, but he's going to have to beat Elliott first, right? Like. Oh, yeah. I mean, Elliott, to me, could easily be in the top five as well. Yeah, and Mateus Nicolau was a great fighter, too. Like, There's a lot of really good fighters at the uh, the bottom of that division. David yeah. Dvorak looked good this past weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I think Cody at flyweight has to be the next move, and I think Cody kind of alluded to that. I think... Had he beaten Font, now it's a different story. You're right back in the mix. Yeah. Get, but uh, another good match matchup that was announced in the bantamweight division: Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. That's another good one coming up in the next little bit. Aldo and Pedro Munoz, nice. Yeah, we've got a lot of really good up and coming fights uh, in the future nice. here, like for, under the UFC umbrella that are that are coming up. So uh, just very Thanks exciting for- to see. A lot of these matchups that have been made. The month, basically, the summer months are, are pretty bananas. Like you know, going forward. Uh, and this was probably one of our. How many weeks throughout the year do you get a week off from fights? Yeah, we got one Three? now, and you got one in July Ma- also. 
maybe three times in the year you get a week off. Three or four, yeah. And then three in the beginning or four. of January, they usually have a couple. They usually they have a couple weeks one. off from Christmas to yeah. like the second week of, of January. And then, yeah, we, we'll sit here now and be like, oh, it's going to be nice to get a break. And then Saturday's going to come. It's like, man, I wish there was fights on. That's what's going to happen. I booked a family trip to Florida for December, Joe. Fingers crossed. Oh, fing- all right. There you go. I know a couple. You're the second. My best friend Costa's booking. He's going to try and for October. Oh, wow. He's he's more ambitious than we are, I guess. Yeah. That's so, exciting. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just, just coming up, here's the, here are the main events coming up. You got Rosenstrike versus Sakai. You got Israel versus Vittori 2. Korean Zombie Ige. Uh, Cyril Gunn versus Volkov, Poirier nice. McGregor three, Holloway versus Rodriguez, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw, uh, and then we've got uh, there's no main event yet for the July 31st card, just yet. So, uh, but then after that, Nunes versus Pena, and and on that card they're looking to book apparently um, Inganu versus uh, Derek Lewis on that same card for 265 okay. in August. Apparently in Houston, Texas is what they're looking to do in, in Derek Lewis's backyard. So Yeah, it makes sense. Exciting. If they're one of the places to do it, you, you should throw Derek Lewis in there. Yeah. Then August, Brunson versus Till, Costa versus Cannoneer. We got a lot of good stuff coming up, Joe. Yeah, and Cannoneer's be been out for a while, right? He had some surgery or something. Yeah. Now he's back. I think he tore a bicep or something along those lines. But yeah, he's back after that Whitaker loss. Yeah. And so is Costa. Costa's been out for a while, too. Who's been out longer, Costa or Cannoneer? I think Costa's been out longer than Cannoneer. It doesn't seem that long, eh? With uh, Costa, it doesn't seem like. But Izzy, you got to think, has fought what once or once since then for sure. I think uh, is it once or twice? Maybe this once. will be yeah, his yeah, second once, now. Yeah, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But man. So yeah, pretty stacked, uh, st- stacked uh, cards ahead of us. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what else is on the agenda. But a lot of the good fights in the undercards have been announced too. You know, so there's there's a lot to like. Uh, 263 also has the Moreno Figueredo and uh, Edwards versus Diaz fight. So, yeah, just a lot, a lot going on in the uh, coming weeks. Hakeem Dawadu against Evloev on that card. Lots of good stuff, there Joe. Go. Lots of yeah. good stuff. I like I'm it. all right with it. I'm watching. PFL I've been dialed in. PFL tournament con- continuing soon. Bellator's got some good stuff on the horizon. Lots to like. Some other news. Uh, John Jones announced that he's going to uh, be advised going forward by Richard Schaefer, who was the CEO of Golden Boy. And uh, Dana White came out and said, uh, you know, he respects Richard Schaefer and uh, interested to see what uh, what happened, what's going to happen. Yeah, None. it's interesting. I mean, when uh, sometimes when the, the UFC guys kind of go with some boxing guys, it kind of opens up doors because boxing is like a different type of marketing structure and and management. So who knows? It'll be interesting. I did saw I did watch an interview today of John Jones doing some training. He just he's just big boy, man. I just they they really have to try to come to terms and, and because it's just it's too interesting to see John Jones as a heavyweight. Yeah, it, I mean the the possibility of Jones versus Ngannou, like what happens if Lewis wins that fight, you know? Like I know. Maybe, I mean it's still fun to watch, but drain. but still I still it needs to be Jones Ngannou. It's yeah. got to be. Charles I can't or- see oh, Ngannou losing though. Charles Jordan has his next opponent, uh, Lerone Murphy. Apparently, he's going to take place in the UK on August the 14th. So, uh, nice to see him coming back for his his next yeah. bout. Uh, we didn't yeah. talk about Carla Esparza and her win uh, over Yan Xiaonan in the co-main event. Uh, yeah, Carla. performance by, by Carla Esparza. That fight was not close. No, I mean... What Carla, like I said, leading up to the fight, she's if she can get her wrestling, she's not going to lose. I mean, just too good. Like, really good top pressure, the way she uses her wrestling. I mean, Colin Oyama in her corner, a, a fantastic striking coach. So a good striking coach mixed with her wrestling. I mean, she's uh, definitely put herself in uh, title shot contention, that's for sure. I should have listened to her. She said she was going to be looking really hard for the finish. It was like plus 1465 for her by KO. Should have yeah. listened to Carla. That's what she told me. That's it. You didn't listen, listen to her. I, more often. I think she's only had one other finish, if I'm correct, in the UFC, and that was her first fight with Rose. Yeah, the sub. And sub that was 2014 Rose. or something? Yeah. Like early. Yeah, a long time ago. It was the first women's strawweight title fight. Yeah. And then since then, she hasn't got a finish. So, yeah, there she goes. I like it. I that's that's make, another vet in the sport, man. you got to make Esparza versus Rose next. Like, I know Dana yeah. said it's either Esparza or Wei Li. But here's the thing. Wei Li... Esparza and Rose are all managed by the same person. So, like, it's not like they're, like, are you going to try to make a leverage play here? Because the yeah. the manager is going to be like, okay, well, uh, 
Sure, my other fighter will take the fight. Like, yeah. they're, they're, sucker they're, punch they're gonna, is good. They're getting a Brian cut Butler. Brian Butler's in a good position yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, it's a good position to be in. But I mean, I think that it comes a lot in the sport now. If if you're a top athlete, you're signing with the top management guys, and I mean, it happens probably all the time. So uh, we'll see who Brian Butler likes the best. Then He's who's he pushing forward over that uh, that division, Which kid does he like the best? Which yeah. kid does he like the best? We'll, well see. But the weird thing is. Esparza had signed on to face uh, Wei Li back in December because they were having issues negotiating with Rose Namajunas. But again, it's the same manager. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, you know, like, yeah. So they're having trouble negotiating with Namajunas. They're like, let's let's use Esparza as leverage. And you call the same Little manager ch- and you're like, yeah. will Esparza take the fight? And Esparza, you call, he has to do what he has to do as the manager. Call Esparza. Hey, uh, you know, you want to take the fight on short notice? Okay, yeah, sure. No problem. That's okay. Yeah, it. I guess my other client will take it. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough position at that point, but yeah, they're, they're good. They're good. Yeah, they're I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I love hearing, I love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. What did you think of, I want to talk to you about Bellator. Did you watch Bellator last week? Uh, which one was that? Did you watch the Valerie Lareda fight in particular? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I, I did like watch she had, like She had so many openings in that fight she could have capitalized on. I, I yeah. was watching that fight being like, just go, like... I know you're getting taken down. I know you're getting grappled, but you like the the girl she was fighting against was throwing some really sloppy punches. I hate to say it because I'm I'm playing armchair analyst here, but she was she was throwing some strikes that were not very technical. I guess that's probably a better way to put it. Where Loretta yeah. could have countered them with such ease, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it just didn't. Yeah, I just think she's she's really a little too much into the. The fame, the popularity, like, remember to fight well, you know what I mean? Like, don't worry about the entertainment. Like, people are forgetting sometimes. Like, I mean, I think she thinks they're going to all be easy fights. People are gunning for her. They want her. So she's going to have to really stick to good, strong basics. She's a striker. Keep, use your range. You got a, a good background of, of traditional martial arts. Like, you shouldn't be getting and exchanging like that and, and not keeping to, to nice, clean, straight punches and stuff. So and she was too content staying on top. Like, just get up. Like this, yeah. is, you're a Taekwondo. Yeah. What is it? Third degree Taekwondo black belt, and you're just hanging on the ground with a girl who's yeah. just throwing up subs left and right. Yeah. And no one should be keep, touching keep, you. Keep you defensive. Yeah, I guess stand up. Even her bouncing in her feet, like Taekwondo's all about good footwork and distance control and bouncing. Like it should be difficult for for someone to grab you. Like look how hard it is to grab Michael Venom Page and and Raymond Daniels and 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 Wonder Boy. Like those guys bounce the move. Use that traditional footwork that we've spent so many years developing to and use it in the cage. Don't get in there and start having to like overthrow punches and look for knockouts. Like I think remember she's 23 years old, so I think we'll see her develop into to something but i just think focus on the fighting part a little bit more than the the dancing the the promotion honestly i don't care about that stuff it makes people want to root against her but i mean listen in mixed martial arts you need to market yourself and i understand her desire to do that I, it doesn't bother me it's not whatever i'm not on her instagram account drooling every two minutes and watch, looking waiting for her to post new pictures so, but it's if, if that's the way that she wants to market herself that's fine but you got to back it up in the cage and yep. I feel like she yep. really did not listen to her coach between rounds. Like her coach was giving her really good advice: stop messing around, stop doing spinning stuff, get stay off the ground with her. Yeah. She drops guy in the first round, probably won that round. I had her winning that round, and um, you know, from there, I, it was you know Hannah was just implementing her game plan, and and Valerie was allowing her to. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the answer. I mean. Uh... I used to get a lot of – you get a questions like, oh, I want to get sponsors and I want to get this and I want to get that. I was like, do you know how you get all that stuff? Winning. Winning. Just win, Winning. baby. Just win, all right? And then they'll all come, you know? Let's bring Anderson Silva. The guy didn't even speak English, but he got Nike because he won and he did really good job at it. So keep winning and all that stuff will, will continue to happen. Focus on the fighting. Don't worry about reaching out to sponsors and well, Joe, videos. I, I do have some do news you. for you. They have Nike shoes available in Brazil now. I, d- I don't know if you knew that. No. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was actually but I, spon- mean, I think he was sponsored specifically by like Nike in Brazil too. Nike in Brazil too. Okay. But I mean I, I look at Nike as like a, a North American brand. Yeah, I, I agree. Right? Yeah, based in all Oregon, of its model, uh, all of its athletes and stuff. But hmm. yeah, you're right. <laughs> right? What, what, was the, what was the Michael Jordan line? Uh, Republicans buy shoes too. Republicans, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Brazilians that's, buy shoes too. Uh, Brazilians yeah. buy shoes yeah. too, Joe. Come on. All right. Uh, I'll Chris stop Cyborg. saying it. 
Chris Cyborg finishes Leslie Smith with nine seconds left in the fight. But man, Leslie Smith has as much heart as anybody in the history of this sport. Yeah, she did well. I, just, I like that she stuck in there. She fought hard. I mean, I there mean, was no honest, path to victory. There was no path, like I hate to say it, but there was no path to victory. But the, the the thing is now, like we compliment things. Like I mean, Cyborg is so good and dominant that we almost praise people who can last five rounds like, with her. Almost, like Felicia you know? Spencer. Like, Felicia Spencer yeah. got a round against her, and like, yeah. oh my god, she's fantastic. She went the distance. Like yeah. I heard, uh, like when you talk about Ally Quinta on 24 oh, yeah. hours, he went the distance. With you Khabib. know, he lasted five rounds with Khabib. So I mean, he wasn't really finishing people at that point, anyways. Yeah, so I mean, there you go. I mean, it's it, that's what becomes uh, when you're a dominant champ like that. I mean, that's a that's a compliment. So Leslie if, Smith did well. So if you were Gilbert Melendez and and Carrie Melendez and you're game planning with Leslie Smith to win this fight, like what what would your game plan be, knowing Leslie Smith's skill set to beat Cyborg? <laughs> just honestly, it's just do what works. You just have to go. I mean, there's not much. If, if, if at that point your power is not there to slow her down, you, you're, you're getting pieced up, you, you don't have the ground game, it's honestly at that point it's just do what you can. I mean there's there's little strategies in asking her to counter a little bit more, but it would honestly – I would probably be yelling more to try to attack on counters. I mean cover your head. As soon as she's done attacking, try to throw a quick counter shot and move. Like try to catch her um, coming in, catch her on an exit. That's all you re- can really do. Uh, Diego Sanchez has parted ways with his manager uh, and uh, spiritual guru, Josh Joshua Fabia, who we, hopefully we never hear from again. That's it. And Dana White <laughs> says, I don't care. What was Dana White's response? I Dana don't pay White attention. Said, Dana White said that Diego Sanchez can call him anytime, but he's not going to pay attention to this guy. There you go. So don't ask Dana about uh, Joshua Fabia and don't ask him about Oscar De La Hoya and then you're good. Or George St. Pierre boxing. Or St. Pierre boxing. Yeah. Way. Then you're all on his side. Yeah, Anderson Silva was fired up about the, about that. Yeah, jeez. But did GSP want the fight is the question. Yeah, I did think so. Did he seem interested? I would imagine so. Yeah. Why not? Dang. Well, Papa Dana don't let him. <laughs> uh, I will be um, speaking with Jimmy Smith on a Sirius XM radio uh, station today. And I wanted to uh, just say that... Uh, Jimmy Smith deserves our congratulations. He's joining yeah. WWE Raw as the lead play-by-play announcer. So kudos to Jimmy Smith. I saw that. That's impressive. I mean, to go from, you know, as a play-by-play into like that's tough. And and he was a uh, he was a color commentator too. I, he wasn't a play-by-play guy. Yeah. So he's going into a play-by-play, you know, as a lead. That that's a tough transition and and a totally different sport. But I think he's got the voice. I think he's got the personality, the charisma. Uh, to do well with the WWE, but that's huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a big guy, deal. Adnan Burke, my former coworker at the at the score. Adnan Burke uh, had the job for a couple months and uh, mutually parted ways with the WWE. Adnan, for people that don't know Adnan, he's such a family guy, and the idea of him traveling so much to do these WWE, like it's, it wasn't a good fit for him. I don't think based on his lifestyle. So I, yeah. you know, I'm glad that they were able to kind of mutually part ways, and uh, and that another guy that I really like in Jimmy Smith is is getting that job. Yeah, that that position I think is good for a few years, but when you're uh, a family guy and you got to remember, I was uh, I got to hear a lot of stories. My uh, broadcast partner Todd Grisham was with WWE for like eight years, mm-hmm. yeah. and him he telling me the stories of all the travel and in between shows and the amount of work it's it's exhausting. But if you have it kids, also, it must be a nightmare to be on that roster oh. and have to travel every week. But it, it led Todd into being this beast that he is now. Todd could call glory kickboxing one weekend, boxing the other week. Like he just – that trained him to be able to work so often where you know, someone like me would only call a show once a month maybe, and that's exhausting. And Moro comes from that world too, and look at how good yeah. Moro is. Yeah, yeah. Moro is one of those guys that transitions between all the sports, right? That, that's that's a, 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 a talented – oh, yeah, Moro unbelievable. Is a, is a pure beast. Unbelievable. <laughs> all right, yeah. well – uh, let's wrap this up, Joe. Uh, not too much to talk about this week. We don't have any cards coming up. Uh, next week, we will preview UFC Fight Night Rosenstrike versus Sakai. That should be an interesting one. And uh, before we let you guys go for the week, uh, I hope that you stick around and listen to this wonderful interview with the Spider, Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time. Join me to discuss his foray into boxing as Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So uh, stick around for that. 
Joe, thanks for this. We'll uh, we'll catch awesome. up next week. See you guys next week. And here's our interview with the spider, Anderson Silva. I'm now joined by one of the greatest mixed martial artists in the history of this planet, Anderson Silva, who's currently driving to the gym for his next training session in preparation for his uh, boxing match against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So Anderson, tell me, why is boxing so important to you? It has been for your whole career, and now you, you're thrust right into the spotlight against a legend in, in his own right. Wow. You know, I just try to enjoy every single uh, uh, challenge I have in my life, you know? And uh, I love boxing. It's a very traditional sport. It's old sport. And um, I'm so happy, you know, because uh, that's the great opportunity for I'm continue test myself and put in my my mind to learn more and more, you know. Now you've uh, made this transition to boxing, but mixed martial arts uh, you're absolutely done with. We won't be seeing you compete in mixed martial arts again. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. All right, no doors are closed. I like that. Uh, so, so tell me about uh, why Julio Cesar Chavez was uh, an interesting opponent for you. Well, ju Junior, of course. Well, this is uh, uh, come to me. Uh, I'm in Brazil uh, to vacation with my family. And the people call me and say, oh, I have a fight to you. You're interesting. Uh, boxing with uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in Mexico. What do you think? I say, yeah, I think it's good. I'm, I'm ready for that. Let's go. You know, I I like the challenge. I like to learn the different uh, disciplines, and I think boxing is a great leave in the good moment right now. And uh, I'm working hard for make good show for everybody. You know, for my fans in Brazil, for my fans in Mexico, for my fans in the world. Now, one of my favorite moments covering the sport was after your last win in Brooklyn. I got to interview yourself, uh, your son Khalil, your son Gabriel. And I know Gabriel is a, a really uh, big boxing enthusiast, and he, he fights in boxing as well. Over the years, have you gotten a lot of training in with your son Gabriel? Yeah, Gabriel helped me a lot and inspired me too because he's a good kid and I have a good talent and helped me. Because Gabriel have a good talent and a good skills in boxing and helped me too too. And with my footwork, and uh, Coach Nico, Coach Doria, uh, my, my, my partner Sparrings, uh, Eliezer, and uh, Little Nico helped me a lot. And I'm so happy, you know, because every single training I do, I feel I, I accept more and absorb more technique, you know. Now, before your last fight against Uriah Hall, you sat down with Dana White, and Dana White asked uh, for this to be your last uh, fight with the UFC. And with that, you signed a contract saying that you, you would also be released from your UFC contract. Is that is that how that went down for your last fight? What You can't uh, ask me again what you say. So part of your last fight with the UFC was that you would be released from your contract afterwards. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Do you feel like uh, the UFC has their fighters locked in for too much time? I mean, George St. Pierre hasn't fought in many, many years, and uh, he was asked if he could go fight against uh, Oscar De La Hoya, and, and they said no. Do you feel like there should be a limit on the amount of time that fighters can be under contract after they're done fighting uh, in mixed martial arts? Listen, I have uh, my personal opinion about UFC, about Dana White, and about that situation. Dana don't need hold George St. Pierre. It's no make sense, you know. George no fight anymore, uh, MMA. And why you don't leave the guy alone for continue doing something the guy loved to do, you know? It's no make sense. That's, that's, you know, I don't know. Well, what I'm wondering is, what do you think would be the solution for this? Because it's not just a, unique to the UFC. A lot of these other promotions, they have people under contract for an unlimited amount of time. Do you feel like there should be uh, a change in the sport so that when people don't fight for, say, two years, they can be released from their contract as long as they don't compete in the same discipline? Listen, George don't fight anymore in UFC. George don't fight MMA anymore. Okay. Why you go hold the guy because the guy don't fight anymore MMA? Why you continue hold the guy? It's no make sense. Just for you, you, for 
your ego for because you need to prove something, your point is no make sense. You know, this is terrible. I think Dana don't need that, you know. Is is no make sense. Do you know if the fighters get paid to stay under contract? Like do you get do you get a certain amount of money per year even if you don't compete? Nope. Okay. Well there you go. Uh so after this fight, um, if Oscar De La Hoya wanted to fight against you, is that something you'd be open to? If, if, if you were the, let's say you do really well against us, Cesar Chavez Jr., they call you, Triller calls you and says, we want you to fight Oscar De La Hoya. Is that something you'd like to do? Everything is possible, my friend. You know, I, 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 my focus right now is only for this fight and do my best because I need you doing something very special. That's why I dedicate every single day I uh, working hard and dedicate my time for learn and absorb the good technique because the boxing is a very traditional. You know, a lot of fighters, boxing fighters, make this sport huge. A lot of people die for make this sport huge. And I need to respect this sport, you know. And uh, I feel how much this this sport uh, give me uh, respect. And I need to do my best, you know, and let's go see the future. I don't know. How much do you weigh right now? Because for this uh, fight, you got to be 182 pounds. You're used to fighting at 185, 186. Uh, you know, how, how much weight do you have to cut off before this fight? Oh, I don't. I don't need to cut too much. I'm I'm in a in a in a good shape in a good weight for cut. I think 12 pounds, and because I train every day and. I, I never uh, uh, have a problem for cut my weight, you know, and I'm prepared for that. Do you have an opinion on who the greatest mixed martial artist of all time is? That a lot of people mention your name, George St. Pierre, John Jones. Those are the, the names that typically come up. Do you have an opinion on, uh, on the subject? Wow. You know, George St. Pierre is a, is a, is a huge fan. He's a, he's a huge uh, 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 champion, you know, John Jones is a huge champion. Every single uh, legend inside UFC uh, have uh, your time in uh, doing something special for the fans. You know, y you can't compare. You know, because John Jones have a one style, uh, George have a one style, I have one style, and everybody working hard for make good show for uh usc you know and i think the people need to respect that you know now you got a very late start in the ufc you were i think 31 when you started your your ufc career um at what point when you were fighting did you feel like things were either slowing down or what, what do you think changed in your later years that made it harder for you to have the same success you had when you were the champion? Uh, obviously, age is a factor, but I'm sure when you were training, you felt like as young as ever, you were probably felt like you were learning a lot of new things. What do you think it was that, that changed over time? Well, you know, it, your mind needs to stay prepared for change. Everything that you need to prepare for change, for absolve the new technique, and this the, the MMA change a lot, you know, and you need to stay ready for uh, change your training, training your body, and absolve the, the the new technique, you know, because MMA change every single uh, year come the new talent and the new guys coming, you know. It's a huge sport. It's an amazing sport. What do you think has changed the most with the sport evolving? I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't the same. It's not the same now as it was 10 years ago. What, what do you think is the biggest change that you've seen uh, in mixed martial arts uh, over the course of time? Well, the sports is more... Uh, now it's not... It's, it's, it's changed because it's not more about uh, honor and respect. It's about show, you know, and the fighters go to doing big shows and big fights. And, you know, that's for my time, for this time right now, it's changed, you know. In my time, I fight for uh, my team. I fight for honor. I fight because I love 
because I feel something special inside my heart because I love the sport. I love fighting. I love the challenge. But right now, you see the different fighters, special fighters, amazing fighters, but have the different vision for different uh, uh, situation, you know? Now, one thing that I always love to see now is you always do these interviews with Chael Sonnen now. You and Chael Sonnen are always talking to each other. You're friendly. You're doing all these interviews. But back when you guys had your, your feud and you guys were against one another, Listen, he was always Chael talking. Is a, look, Chael is an amazing guy. He's a very good guy. And, you know, everybody talking about Chael. But listen, Chael is, is not the, the bad guy that people think. Cheo is a good man. He's a very gentle guy, you know, in respect and is smart, you know. And the people need to respect Cheo because Cheo have a, a, a long story inside the sport, you know. I know. I love Cheo. He's a sweetheart. He's always been very nice to me. I just, from watching your yeah, food I, with him. I love Cheo too. <laughs> I just love watching you guys do interviews together because of how intense your rivalry was, you know, in competition. I think that's, it's great for the sport to see you guys uh, be so friendly now. Yeah, you know, the moment I fight with Cheo, I help uh, the world to see the real fighters, you know, and Cheo helped me to make more successful in my life and inside the sport. And I think both help each other, you know, because Cheo is a, is a good challenge for me and I push me hard and push me for training hard. And I, I agree, I push Cheo hard for training hard. And that's, I make the good fight. And that's the amazing fight in the world, you know, and I, I respect a lot. Che is an amazing guy and uh, he's a good fighter and everybody needs respect Che Sonny. Well, are you are you in Los Angeles right now? Yeah, I'm in LA. Yeah. Well, I, I always love doing interviews with you because you always surprise me with your great answers, but the biggest surprise to me right now is how fast you're driving in LA. Usually it's a lot slower. So I've got to say, you must be making your way to the gym. I don't want to keep you much longer. I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck. No, thank the... you, my friend. Sorry, <laughs> because I'm I'm waiting for for talk to you in the gym. But uh, I'm 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 very lost my time for go to the, the other gym right now, and that's I drive and talk to you. Well, I'm just gonna say it's great to see how fast you're moving. It's usually the traffic there is terrible, but uh, <laughs> yourself. Oh, terrible! Oh my God! Yes. Yourself, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. It's June the 19th in a boxing match. His father is fighting in the main event against Hector Camacho. Really looking forward to that. And thank you very much for your time. Always appreciate it, Anderson. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.